Greetings to everyone listening. This is the Greek Speak podcast featuring the Archon and the Greek. I'm the Archon, creator of GreekSpeak.com. We've reached episode five of this series of talks between the Greek and myself, which marks the halfway point of this season of streams. And I'm glad that we've finally gotten here as the series has dragged on a bit longer than I thought it would. But there's been a lot going on that has slowed things down but I anticipate will certainly be done by the end of the year. I say that fully in earnest, but half in jest, but we'll see how things go. So the live stream group chat is always open for those who want to ask questions during the stream, and GreekSpeak.com continues to have no political, religious, or commercial affiliations, since this is a project that is solely run and funded by myself. And that's it for the introduction. I hope you guys enjoy the rest of the show, and thanks again for listening. Hi there, Greek. You there? Yes, greetings. How you I'm doing? here. All right. What are we going to talk about today or speak on? Well, um, today we're going to look at the topic of media, which is obviously wide-ranging in its themes, but we'll try to cover the most salient points and perhaps shed some light on some of the less talked-about aspects of how that sphere works. So, in the broadest terms, media is generally broken down into mainstream and alternative, and so for ease of use purposes, I think we'll use that categorization and start with the first one. Does that sound good to you? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that works. Cool. Mm-hmm. So, um, when we talk about an enforced condition of universal ignorance or um, lack of comprehension that we call cosmic censorship, uh, I think that's something that seems closely tied to the proliferation of mass media. Um, and I think it's more than just keeping people ignorant, but also you feed them lies and you teach them how to love their lies. And so the media sort of ends up becoming a stage on which journalists and entertainers perform fictions, scripted fictions. Um, as somebody who was around for the mid to late 20th century, at, at what point did you start to realize that that might be the case? You know, I, I always had a sense that it could not be trusted. Even as a child, uh, very simply, you know, uh, sitting in front of a black and white TV in the late 60s or so, seeing a uh, commercial, a television commercial for a breakfast cereal and uh, as, you know, it's being promoted as being good tasting, let's say, and then going out and actually getting that breakfast cereal and finding out that it was not uh, good tasting uh was uh, was the one of the initial ways i know this sounds very rudimentary and primitive was one of the initial ways of uh letting me know that the media can't be trusted and if you just uh think about what i just said um it it is something that needs to be paid attention to uh you know can they be trusted right and how did I mean? How did that unfold from breakfast cereal as a child into things that you would have seen as a teenager or a young adult? Well, ultimately, uh, you know, uh, I would say being mid-century beyond mid-century, you know, uh, born in that this kind of a world where uh, I think television came before both you and I were born. So did radio and newspaper, and most other you know forms of media were born into it. So there, there's no way we can actually, you know, discreetly separate it from our existence, meaning, you know, our perceptual existence. So uh, it leads into, you know, something that is, you know, something that's a part of your life and uh, to actually mark it as uh, uh, with a sense of distrust is no different than marking um let's say one's community, parents, family, or friends with a level of distrust or uh, authority with a level of distrust, religion with a a, a certain level of distrust, academia with a certain level of distrust. Do you see where I'm going with this? In other words, uh, you can say buyer beware, caveat emptor. Uh, And in a sense, you know, you are buying this stuff. It's being sold to you, right? So uh, I would sense uh, that a, le- a healthy level of distrust is is what uh, what one what would be, let's say, a good foot to start off on once you start sharpening your perception. And as far as you know, the time period still though, 
like were there any landmark programs other like if we put aside commercials and sort of generalities like that but were there any landmark programs that made you realize that in fact this is not your friend and something that shouldn't be trusted or could be antagonistic you know what's interesting on that is uh you you could look at it from a cultural point of view that's the main thing that uh programming whether it's in print radio or visual you know video uh has to be in accord with the traditions and values and culture that it's being shown to and what's interesting enough being uh of uh, multicultural meaning born in american but of greek descent i saw that the uh, i was able to see clearly through the heavy promotion of white middle america as not being uh something that i want to associate with if you know what i mean uh you know the white middle american culture is very different from the european culture in many aspects right so especially when it comes to food and uh, the way you uh you know perceive uh basic things like food shelter clothing things like that right so that right away showed me that uh uh it's possible that when you do look at something like the media with objectively or from another point of view from a different culture you'll see that it's it's basically a selling game or something to accommodate the the majority but well i think we'll touch we'll touch on that dynamic a bit later because certainly there's something to be said for how the audiences react to to what the media does but could you contrast a bit 20th century media to say 21st century media aside from the technological changes brought on by computing what has been this cultural shift that you seem to be alluding to well you can't really change it uh in other words you, i mean you you can't uh, say that there's going to be change without taking the technology into account so the way the media changes is with technology uh you can look at historically first it was oral and then it was uh, oral and written and then it became uh oral written and oral again through what's called transmission means a radio and then it was um again uh oral written transmission through audio and video which is also written because you will see labels and writing and titles and things like that All right so basically uh capturing the the uh the message in uh in, with different types of technology does change it i mean are we then going to insinuate that if the technology of let's say fm radio had generally remained the same and television as well and say we hadn't had laptops and smartphones that the media would still look the way it did 40 years ago as far as the presentation of it well yes and no again the culture's changing there's a uh, agendas in the culture to change the culture you know the way people perceive reality uh and if anyone disagrees with that you have to give it to them in braille because they're clearly blind you know there's clearly uh, a, an unseen hand that has uh, agendas that are rolled out over 50 and 100 year periods and uh, uh obviously uh that is part of the change uh you know i give a quick example uh, uh and by the way I don't, i don't think we need to touch on the the aspect of the technology of the internet because that just brings everything much faster but uh, an example of the the agenda is uh the gender bending uh idea right where you can choose your gender now that's been in place for uh thousands of years in certain ritualistic rites and it was also put in place uh by the uh, power elite in the late 60s as an agenda that should take hold by the 90s they're a little behind schedule uh there are many other agendas uh that you see uh if you're aware of them you know uh climate uh, climate change you know weather you know uh man's effect on the planet things like that which is actually minimal you'll see that the the uh, messages uh, that have been uh planned out are played out through the media yeah i'm aware of what you're referring to um i also remember from last stream you spoke a bit about how sometimes the intentions behind an age get expressed through entertainment or literature and the example that you gave before was like george orwell um or Aldous Huxley that their books are examples of that something that was either commissioned or demanded or nudged into existence um personally i think of a movie i forget the year but the 80s movie um was it they live um like right. a, a more modern modern example 
what did you think about the 1976 movie Network? I think that's another example of that. Do you think that that fits into that sort of prescient, far-sighted category? Sure, sure. I, I would suggest uh, there's a more disclosure than people want to admit. You know, there's an old thing that they say that uh, they they being the, the the power base that run, runs the planet Earth Inc. or One World Corporation, let's say. Uh, they have to tell you what they're going to do before they do it. That's part of their credo. And they, whether it's done very secretively or in code out in the open, it's, uh, it's still being done. So that the, the film network, I think, includes some of that. Oh, and just to harken back to the They Live glasses, if you had those now, you wouldn't see them as aliens. You would see most people as little piggies, oink, oink. But anyway, <laughs> that's a, another discreet comment that could be expanded on later you'll see pigs goats and dogs no i think that Continue. is i think that is worth expanding but yeah maybe later yeah. um the traditional idea i think is that news is the manifestation of journalistic work done by people whose job it is to mediate some kind of civil order by keeping the public informed but in recent times because of how blatant the news has become in its lies and it's easy to go on youtube and google any outlet and put lies at the end of the search term and you'll see that there's a lot that's been said about that. Because of things like that, many people have come to become disillusioned um, about the position of the media and see them perhaps as more of a circus act that distracts more than they inform. But was there ever a time when the mainstream media was an effective watchdog of the public interest? Because one would think that something can move from a position of being virtuous to being less virtuous or esteemed rather than having started out as something that was objectionable? Never in the mainstream throughout the entire history of mankind has it been, uh, has it had any honor or dignity. You, you can go back to what people call biblical times, it was the same. It was all crap. The, there are underground aspects of it, you know, what's called, let's say, alternative, uh, in an altruistic way that did exist at some points, but had no effect, just like uh, it is today. There, you know, the the actual alternative things that people can get on the internet that make sense are actually truthful, if not entirely, but mostly true, have no effect on on the reality of the uh, the mainstream point of view of things. Is that something that we can back up with, say, some more facts? Because yeah, it's fine to say that, but you oh, know. sure, I, I can give you discrete examples. Like, uh, for example, if let's just go to the internet. What I've been made aware of for more than a decade, and then someone more recently, I'll name names and people could actually look at this stuff if they want to. Uh, giving you an example, uh, one of them regarding the 9-11 uh, event is Dmitry Kolosov. Uh, he, whether you believe his credentials or not, is not as relevant as uh, taking a look at his accounts on what really happened to the towers on 9-11. And he backs it up with as much technical information as you'd like and actual, you know, good perceptive reality that's uh, easily discerned and uh, non-refutable. Yet he gets, uh, there is a quote-unquote 9-11 truth movement that doesn't acknowledge him. Uh, and if there is, it's minimal. And just to compound that, uh, the, the, the American government did something called an investigation, uh, which means when a government says they're going to investigate something, means they're going to do the opposite. Uh, but anyway, the, one of the chairpeople of the 9-11 Commission publicly, it's even on the Wikipedia page for the 9-11 Commission, stated that the information in that investigation is not factual or true, nor does it reflect what really happened that day. Okay. Uh, another one is, uh, I think I've uh, gotten a message to him and he didn't like it, um, was a fellow named Cody Snodgrass, S-N-O-D-G-R-E-S. He's been making rounds the past two years, giving testimony that he was offered a, a million U.S. dollars to blow up the Murrow building, you know, as a CIA uh, asset, you know, uh, not working directly for the CIA, but like a contractor, right? And his testimony is, is very valid and very solid. But I had messaged him. I said, you know, your testimony is great, but, you know, you're, you have an audience of morons, basically. You know, this is whether they're American morons or uh, worldwide morons. No one cares uh, about this. Nothing's going to come of it. And, of course, the response was not positive to that, but obviously it's true. Right. So, uh, again, it, it contradicts the government story uh, and which, again, is is admitted through investigations that it's not how it's been told. So here we have two, quote unquote, whistleblowers, let's call them, with very good testimony that can be 
comparatively analyzed uh, within each subject, one being the Alfred R. Murrow Building in Oklahoma City, and the other one being the 9-11 um, disaster, let's call it that, and no one really cares. And it's on the internet, and it's easy to access, right? And it, not only that, it's not even being promoted as a, 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 a body of work or a testimony that should be looked at or considered, right? So, I mean, there are many more examples on that. You know, there's a movie called Vaxxed uh, regarding the negative effects of uh, vaccination. And even the agencies and authorities that promote vaccination say we've never really done any substantial scientific tests or, or that there's any proof that vaccinations are viable in preventing disease. You see, but we do know that they're very toxic. So, I mean, you can go on. There's hundreds of subjects you can cover in this way that, you know, the, the information or testimony that's given through what's called the media is pretty much rock solid, um, but it's being ignored or not considered. Mm. I follow what you're saying. And a lot of that does seem to pertain to a more modern landscape of manipulating the public in a certain way. But what you're essentially saying uh, before is that that pertains to an even greater swath of human history. So what I'm trying to right. see is that if we go back to ancient times, why would we presume that that was the case then? I mean, obviously, what was then has led to what is now. So there has to be a red thread that runs through all of it. But are we going to discount, you know, the philosophical schools, the mystery schools, um, the library societies of ancient times as well? You could discount what's being purveyed as what those things are about or those uh, schools are about, yes. Meaning if, if you were to pick up any of uh, uh, Greek philosophy and read it in English, it's not being translated accurately regarding any religious, uh, religious philosophy or religious text, scientific text, on and on and on. You know, Tesla, you know, just to bounce around, you know, Tesla never worked with electromagnetism. Maybe maybe a little bit when he was asked to build an AC motor, but his research did not include electromagnetism. Now, one brings if you go to any university in the world, they'll tell you electricity is electromagnetic. I know it sounds kind of strange to bring that up out of the blue like that, but just think about that for a minute. What did he work with, right? A different form of electricity. So when you hear people talking about Tesla technology, it's a bunch of rubbish. Because they're they you know because they don't go and look at what Tesla wrote about. Mm. Well, if indeed it is the case that the the media is a joke from the ground up, then isn't the term fake news an oxymoron meant to deflect from how absurd all the news is in fact, or all the media is in fact, and not just a certain segment of it? Very much like a term they have. The legal society has sovereign citizen. How could you be a sovereign and a citizen? A citizen is essentially a subject or a slave. Yeah, this, it's uh, it's all uh, it's all uh, uh, a form of dichotomy and paradox if you look at it that way. And I'm using the word paradox the way the ancient Greeks did, it, it, which is it's not the way people use it today. It's basically something ridiculous. So um, uh, George Carlin, the comedian, you know, firefighters fight fire, and uh, what do freedom fighters fight? Uh, that's funny. You see. Yeah. So, so the essence of it is, uh, what do you know about the human society wholesale on this planet from history on onto today would be the question. You, you know, there's something here. We'll we'll just uh, side skirt the media for a moment. Something called a rite of passage, right? Like you're not considered uh, in certain countries to be of uh, a good standing, let's say, nationalist or citizen, unless you've served in the military, and even better if you've served in a war and killed people, right? Uh, another rite of passage is academia. You're not considered to be a viable worker or uh, respectable in society unless you have a college degree, you see? So, but let's just uh, take the second one in terms of rite of passage. Uh, if you, let's say you could pick an academic subject, astrophysics, regular physics, chemistry, history, 99% of what they teach you in university is on the media and it's fake. What's the difference? Why do you need to go to university if they're teaching you the same BS that you learn on the media by watching documentaries? Well, one is a rite of passage. You have to pay to get, you know, the, uh, the, uh, you know, the X amount of years and what they call credits and the ceremony and what they call a diploma. In other words, if you are an, uh, let's say, uh, 
an avid a watcher of television or on the internet regarding uh, astrophysics, right? Or you have a degree in astrophysics from the best university, you pretty much have the same BS. But the person that's uh, sitting at their armchair can't say he's an astrophysicist because they'll ask him for a degree. And But the guy who says he's an astrophysicist and respected as such because he has a, a doctorate degree from a Ivy League university, right? He knows the same stuff that's on television. It's mostly BS, you see. So there's a difference here between rite of passage that gives, you know, humans, people, certain people in human society, um, the accolades or the respect where everyone kind of knows or has access to the same information. So what's interesting about the media is the BS uh, or, or the, the, the falsehood and the fake stuff that's on the media is exactly the same stuff that's in the universities, right? But very few, very seldom will you see someone saying, well, I've watched a thousand hours of astrophysics on television and they'll, they'll never be respected as someone who has a PhD in it, even though it's the same information and which is fake. You see, it's low level garbage, really. So, you know, um, what, what, what it kind of does is um, makes one scratch their head and say that this is uh, basically a level of quality. In, in other words, humans have, are, are, prefer a low level of quality within their um, existence. And uh, that's why they have the media that they do, or the education that they do, or the religious traditions that they do, or on and on and on, or the medicine that they think they have. So basically the question to ask here is why are humans so attracted to such a low level quality existence? Well, I think that part of the answer would be that there is some kind of um, a pleasure there that's being offered alongside with the, the low quality information or conditions, because if it was painful, I think people would run from it. Well, they lack reference. Uh, for example, the painful aspect, uh, I find uh, personally, uh, many of the things that people see as being normal as being painful, right? Whether it's the way they eat, uh, the way they keep their, uh, their, their person, the way they perceive things, I find that to be very painful. I mean, torture for me would be to be transplanted and live with a, uh, a Midwestern white American family. <laughs> yeah, that's very specific, Greek. Well, speaking of this idea of the, the sort of the masses or the audience who consume the media, um, there's this idea that the media is a behemoth that manipulates the masses who are helpless before its influence. But um, I would say that the general sense of reality is created actually by both groups of people, those who produce the media and those who consume it. So the audiences are not as passive as they're made out to be because they are allowing the lies and the misrepresentation to go unchallenged. And I think you've talked before and recently about accommodating the audience, so to speak. And that leads me to wonder and to ask which of those two things come first, the media creators with no regard for the masses or the sheeple audience with no regard for their own well-being? Well, it's very simple. Here, I'll give you an example. Uh, back in the 80s, I knew someone who was really good at uh, writing, you know, what's called rap songs, hip-hop songs, right? And uh, we were standing around one night in the Soho area, Manhattan, before it was developed, and uh, uh, sort of like a limousine open, uh, uh, opens its doors and there's a bunch of older uh, men standing around and the guy is doing some freestyle rapping and they pull him aside and they said, uh, why don't you hang with us and we'll make a lot of money together. These, these older, uh, uh, you know, I would say more Ashkenazi type in their sixties, um, upper middle class men or wealthy men have no interest in, um, developing rap music. Right. But they know that if they accommodate those that are interested in that, they'll be wealthy. Do you see the point? Yes. Yeah. So uh, I would suggest that uh, anything that you see in mass is there to accommodate the masses. And this is the beef that I have with what's called the alternative media on the Internet, is that they're always putting out this uh, spouting altruistic verbosity about uh, we need to do this to make America better or the world better or humanity better and they're full of crap. Better for who? Did they ever stop and think that the people actually like the, like being this way? 
Uh, take, for example, the film The Matrix, where uh, one of the characters, the main characters, is tied down to a chair, and the um, one of the agents of The Matrix says to him, well, we had a perfect environment for you, but you, you, you couldn't prosper in it. You needed the... Um, the destruction, the chaos, the violence, the vileness, right? In order to feel normal. Morpheus, I think, was tied down, yeah. Mm-hmm. Lawrence Fisburne. Uh But anyway, uh, I, I think that um, ultimately making the world a better place is to do a reset. You have to start all over. And this, by the way, is in all of the uh, ancient writs and prophecies and philosophies. So, Didn't you once say that well, maybe not on on a stream, but I think I've heard you say that news corporations at their heart, you know, behind the smoke and the mirrors. And if you go into the actual legal departments and, you know, the high level parts of the corporation, they will consider themselves as entertainment companies first. And if you put right. their feet to the fire and you make them sweat, they'll say, well, we're just we're not really trying to educate people, but we're here to provide entertainment. But they're hiding behind the plausible deniability of being news co- companies. Can you expand on that a bit? Sure. There are precedent cases in, in the, you know, the kangaroo courts, what you call federal courts or state courts or whatever. Uh, someone had prosecuted Fox News regarding libel, and, and the, the case outcome was that, well, they're an entertainment company. Right. The, the news is entertainment, but yet they take it seriously. Uh, like, for example, if, if you've got more than two sharpened pencils in your pocket, go back to the 9-11 event. Um, you know, only the people on television witnessed airplanes going into the into the buildings. And, of course, they have some plants on the ground that say they saw airplanes going to the buildings. But the, the public at large uh, never saw any airplanes. I personally had spoken to someone a month later who was crossing um, uh, had walks to work by crossing the Brooklyn Bridge and was in was doing a project in that area and he saw the building explode. He said there were no airplanes. He didn't see an airplane. If there was, he didn't see it. And there's no way he wouldn't have seen it because he had a vantage of three sides of the building, you see. And also there's a lot of testimony on that. And if you do a little bit of research, you'll find that there's a company that puts these um, visual effects in sports games, you know, like um, you'll see uh, an advertisement on the field or something that's a video effect, right? And this particular company was heavily involved in making sure airplanes were on TV, if you know what I mean. And they were granted later on the ability to uh, get big lucrative contracts uh, with uh, sports, you know, with television shows that play sports. You know, if you've ever watched an American sports game, you'll, they'll show an, ad, show an advertisement or movement on the field that doesn't exist. It's only a video effect. So, you know, you, you have... Uh, 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 this reality being totally twisted, you know, uh, uh, from, I don't know, something uh, as tragic and as disastrous as 9-11 as being put together by entertainment groups. I mean, think about it, right? And and just for most people, if you, whether you know it or not, believe it or not, or whatever, it's irrelevant. 9-11 was a nuclear event, right? It was a nuclear event. So, uh, meaning atomic, thermonuclear so it, what what I mean by that uh, is being a disaster. It is disastrous to have a uh, d- a nuclear event in a main city like that, um, and have it covered up by entertainment interests such as the news and investigative reports and other companies that allowed that um, visual effect and persuading the public that it was, you know, whatever. I recently came across a quote about the nature of the media. I don't remember who said it, but it reads something like this, that exaggeration is every sense as essential to a newspaper writing as the writing itself, because the point is to make as much as possible about any occurrence so that essentially all that newspaper writers are for the sake of their trade is to be alarmists, right? And that's their way of making themselves interesting. So when I think about that a bit, it leads me to wonder, what is the alternative to a landscape driven by commerce, as far as the media, where being alarmist is sort of essential? Well, if you're going to write something to simply edify, you better try to keep it a secret. Because eventually, if the subject matter or the body of work that is written to edify is broad enough, you're going to be stepping on a lot of toes. 
that would want the contrary to be in public view. Do, do you see what I mean by that? But by doing so, who is it exactly that you're making an enemy of in that situation? Well, you know, like I said earlier, it's Earth Inc. or the One World Corporation, right? Uh, let's just bring it down to a national level. Uh, there are certain countries today that have in their policy that certain ideologies are to be st stamped out and not allowed. So imagine that on a global level. Mm -hmm. mm. It could even be it could even be on a local level. Certain municipalities do not allow certain ideologies or actions to take place, right? At all, very strict against it. For example, mm. so imagine that on a on a global level. It's very difficult for people to imagine, even though it's a very simple concept that the entire planet is controlled by a small business interest. I mean, you could fit them all in a nice size living room. And they pretty much run the planet, but they run it in a subtle way. And they've been granted that from cosmic forces until the time for them not to, to do it anymore comes, which is not which is almost around the corner or so. Mm. And so in a world where establishment media and technology corporations control the public realm in the way that you just described, I think people end up running into a lot of dead ends when they're trying to get answers. Um, they start to realize that a lot of the promises offered up by their society are pipe dreams, and what, you're, what they're left with is more of a zombified consumer existence than anything else. And then when they try to escape that by turning to either alternative media or things like the wellness movement that borrows a lot from Eastern traditions, they do it with the same lack of discernment that they apply to the mainstream media, and so ultimately when something like yoga becomes mainstream, they're back where they started being fed a watered-down version of something whose true meaning has been cast aside. Have you been able to discern a way to escape that kind of dynamic where the media seems to continually encroach on everything that there is to make it as dumbed down as possible? Well, just use a broad brush uh, over anything that's in the media as a lie. Let's say you brought up the yoga idea. Let's say that's in the media for whatever reason, positive or negative. If you have an interest, a personal interest in yoga, then then you go back and you use the standard forms of discernment uh, on the subject. Which the first thing is, where did you know learn the history of it? Where did it start? Who started it? And why? Go back as far as as you can, and uh, and then make sure the information you're getting is uh, somewhat contrary to what's uh, what the public perceives and you're probably closest to the truth and just to re-examine that word probably uh go back and see how uh valid and uh, how much verification you could have on the history of the thing right and any all the subjects are the same so essentially what you see in the media is just a 180 of what it actually is uh, that's the safest thing to uh perceive the the um there's an old saying in the, in the uh, Soviet Union that people were interested in buying the, the newspaper, Pravda, which was, means the truth, uh, if translated to English. Uh, and they said, well, why is everyone so interested in the newspaper? It says, well, because we are interested in what's in the newspaper, because whatever the newspaper says, it's 100. What's really going on is 180 from it. So once you have that diametric opposition established, you, you do get the truth from watching the fake news uh, or the mainstream media. Right. All you have to all you have to do is apply that it's diametric or, or inverse of what they're telling you, and you've got the truth. Mm. It's like the simple, um, but it's not it's not as simply related. Here here's a simple way to look at it: uh, a baseball and a baseball bat together cost a dollar ten, right? And the uh, baseball bat costs a dollar more than the baseball. How much does the baseball cost? Right. Together, the baseball and the baseball bat are a dollar ten, but the baseball costs a dollar more than the baseball. So, what's the price of the baseball? Most people will say ten cents. Well, it can't be if it's both a dollar ten because that means the baseball costs zero, right? So, what is it? You have to do a little bit of algebra there. Again, most people will say ten cents because they take the whole and they subtract it's a dollar more. No, because that means the baseball then is it is zero? No, it's not zero. See, so how do you do that algebra? It's very simple. And we don't. I'm not going to give the answer. It's, it's. Oh come on, just give the answer. Oh okay. Well, uh, it's a simple. Uh, you know, a plus b equals c, right? And you just uh, plug everything in. And the uh, using common parlance, well, you'd say, well, if one 
is a dollar more than the other, the total uh, is subtracted from that. So if the total is a dollar ten and one is a dollar more than the other, we have ten cents left over, and we divide that by two, which is five cents. So the baseball costs five cents. So let's look at it now in uh, in the other way. Uh, so the the bat is a dollar more than the baseball, which is a dollar five, and the baseball costs five cents. So a dollar five plus five cents equals a dollar ten. So you you solved it. And this is what you're sort of tying to the media, right? So it's not exactly 180. You do have to use a little bit of algebra. In other words, they're going, they're going to give you. Let's take 9/11 for example. The buildings collapsed because airplanes with diesel fuel crashed in it. Well, okay, that's plausible. But what buildings? Was it a chicken coop, an outhouse, a three-story, you know, wood structure? That's plot. Yeah, that you know, airplane crashing into that and diesel fuel, but not something that is robust as what we're being told. And if you look at the aftermath, how can 200,000 tons of steel be reduced to a 30-foot pile, burning at um, the melting point of iron underground? So now you're going to have to figure out. If both things cost a dollar ten and one is a dollar more than the other, you see. This goes into again. You can segue into what, what's the difference between the media and the alternative media. Not much, you know. Uh, for example, you know, I don't mean to lead on here, but I call the alternative media in many languages, Latin languages, papagayo, which is a parrot. You know, usually when I would be called in to comment on things, I'm like, "Do you guys want some crackers?" You know, years ago when I was a little more popular in the alternative media, let's see what the Greek has to say. I'm like, wait, can't you make, can't you look at the facts yourself? You need to tell me, for me to tell you what, what to think. Like Time Magazine, you know, a lot of the popular American magazines, when you read their articles, they're telling you how to think and what to think about it. And if you look today at the alternative media, I assure you, 99% uh, of the time, if not 100% of the time on the Internet, they're always following, they're trailing behind the mainstream. Like right now at this time, there's uh, certain investigations with certain officials regarding ped pedophilia and the president of the United States still and all this other stuff. And all the alternative media is just latching on to that. No discernment on the reality of, you know, being a human on the planet yet. Yeah, I mean, we're going to touch a bit on the alt media as we as we go along. But just to wrap up with um, the mainstream aspect, um, I think that there's something to be said for how useful the media could be. Like all humans move from a point of ignorance to a point of understanding by gradually accumulating more knowledge and understanding. And since the world is a big landscape that's far too Byzantine for any one person to comprehend in a holistic way, the media should be a tool for sculpting a, a good, as good an understanding as you can. But the issue is that we have certain people that you've mentioned running the enterprises who seem hell-bent on generating the current state of affairs. And I'm wondering what lies at the heart of media corporations that all seem to coordinate their efforts towards producing unedifying content. And do we, like, other than generalities, do we have names or histories of what the power base behind the media is? The history would lend itself to uh, the tools that are used or, or have been garnered through centuries to be used to control society, which is what's called the, the law society, legal society, the military society, and the religious society and academic, uh, academic society. A simple example would be uh, years ago, I worked at a television station doing volunteer work to learn about how that works. And I found out that one of the directors of the TV station, this tall, thin, uh, elderly lady in her early 70s was army intelligence officer. Right. You'd never guess that. You'd think she was just some grandma or something. Right. So what the hell is an army intelligence officer doing in a community television as one of the directors? Go you know, scratch your head on that. Right. And uh, it's the same all around. I mean, how many times have you ever heard of someone going to a Bible study in a Christian church and they spend a half hour? The, the priest uh, tells you how important it is to make sure you get your taxes done on time. But he'll never say there is no money to pay taxes with, and it's all basically use of private credit. You know, of course not. He doesn't know either. I mean, it, this thing goes on. The media is not simply what people regard as the media. It's a level of propaganda that's throughout every aspect of your life. You mentioned uh, not too long ago in a different conversation about how the media is not just about 
enforcing ignorance or lies, but there's also a fear aspect and that they control your life by imparting fear. Can you expand on that? Well, sure. Uh, there's a lot of talk about uh, it's a two part thing here uh, and I'll introduce it as the as a two part thing. There's a lot of talk of, quote unquote, the dumbing down of America or making people, quote unquote, stupid. But that's not enough. And this is the main thing that's being discussed now in alternative media regarding the dumbing down. The, the main aspect of it is the duo, the pair of it's it's in order to control and keep the society within a certain level of control. You, you have to keep them stupid and you have to keep them scared, right? So the fear aspect won't work unless the population is quote unquote stupid. So when they're stupid, they lack the tools, uh, cognitive tools. And when they're scared, that's a, a disabling factor. It's a paralysis. So now they're, they, they're paralyzed and they lack any tools. So you've got them pretty much in a pretty well contained environment. And so the implication is that if you can address the stupidity aspects, then people would break free of the ignorance as a matter of course. Well, yeah, well, see, once they're stupid, you know, you've heard that uh, stupid people are dangerous in large groups. So they're very dangerous because, they, you know, they're, 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 what comes with being stupid is gullibility and naivete. And it would be very easy for a revolutionary or an ideologist that was um, proactive in activating a crowd uh, to gather the crowd into doing their bidding, right? Or his bidding or her bidding or the group's bidding. But if they're scared, you've disabled them and they, they're a fear of doing, uh, acting upon anything, even though the, the level of action will be considered, you know, in the stupid with brackets, you know, level, right? So it's very, it, it's, it's, the stupidity is not enough. You must keep them scared. And keeping them scared is not enough because if they're scared, and they have uh, co good cognitive faculties, though they'll want to uh, diminish the fear by acting on their, you know, cognitive toolbox and saying, "Well, we're smart, we can get out of this uh, uh, scare tactic." You see, so you must have them stupid and scared at the same time. One does not work without the other. Mm. As far as this right. um, idea of making them stupid and then having them scared. Do you make any distinction between the different outlets as far as which one has perhaps been the most damaging in that regard? Do you consider any particular corporation to be the most nefarious in what they push content-wise? No, because these corporations are simple franchises. I think I've mentioned on years ago in previous uh, calls, any, um, any group, uh, quote-unquote corporate entity, once it reaches 150 or 200 million a year earnings, they have, uh, they're implanted and controlled by uh, groups, uh, again, intelligence, legal groups, uh, military intelligence, on and on and on, secret society groups. They always put someone in uh, a position that uh, doesn't have a lot of mobility. They pretty much stay there and uh, uh, report back to home base, you know, Earth Inc. or One World Corporation, uh, how to, uh, you know, the goings on of that company, restrictions and things like that. So if you, for example, have a software company that grows to 150 or 200 million uh, a year earnings, uh, they'll have uh, plants, uh, ex-intelligence, military, uh, legal, uh, their attorneys or accountants or whatever plants in there that report back to Earth Central on the goings on. And if they want to shift their policy or the direction of the of the company to the main agenda, it's very easy to do by persuasion. And if the uh, those that are running the corporation uh, are not in agreement, then you have what's called scandal, uh, whether it's economic, personal scandal or whatever, or, or breaking up the corporation from from people that are already inside. So, you know, you're looking at the control, you know, an army of individuals. You're talking probably a million people worldwide that are planted in all of these corporations, again, that are within the 100 million to 200 million range. Uh, and make sure that they're all in step with the general agenda. So they're all pretty much the same, just, in, just, just different levels of access. No access meaning access to the public. Uh, what I mean by that is like uh, still you have uh, in any place that has television broadcasting, you have the major channels. Right. And then you have the minor channels of television or radio. Right. But they all have they all report back to the same central group. And speaking of this central group, um, just to touch on it for one last time, do you think that the people who run the media corporations are as infected or impaired by the cosmic censorship that they are infecting the masses with? 
more so, even more so, because because they they're 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 uh, you know there's the concept of the disinformation and misinformation. The disinformer knows the information is false, and the misinformed are the receivers that actually believe it. So they're the majority of the people that you see in the media, the reporters and anchor people, or even on alternative media, are just the they're misinformed, but they do know it's it's BS, bovine excrement. Let's be e, right? But they continue with it, and they have to live with it. So they they have a, a sensory block, you know. Otherwise, they won't maintain their uh, sanity for too long. So, in other words, you're talking about a low-level quality individual. And I'm speaking from, you know, if you anyone that knows anyone that works in uh, government positions as a spokesman or media positions as a spokesman, they're they're not very well favored uh, or looked at uh, as being good quality people, even by their own family members. So they're very heavily compromised on a personal level, which I have to tie it back into cosmic censorship. Mm, I get you. So we're going to continue with alternative media. The Greek, as somebody who has been around to see the growth of certain underground radio outlets and sort of fan-driven media enterprises and things like internet radio, was there a particular span of years that you would point to that indicated the rise of what would later be called the alternative media? Probably uh, the first decade, the middle of the first decade or the end of the first decade of the 2000s, up until about 2010, 2012, then it kind of fell apart. And again, not that it had much of an effect on society uh, in a positive way. It just was there and it was of uh, a little more um, uh, discerning, let's just say. But 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 in a minimal level, not not to uh, say that it, those were the heydays of anything. There seems to be a sentiment expressed in a lot of alt media programs that I think many people pick up on when they're watching it, even if it's not explicitly stated, which is that the hosts never really seem to have could have made it in the mainstream world, and so they started their own platforms. Um, not necessarily as a defiant expression of entrepreneurship within media to educate people, but as a sort of consolation prize for not being able to be a part of mainstream programming. And so as a result, I see a lot of alt-media people commenting, as you mentioned, on the same things that the mainstreams talk about, but they change the twist. To what extent would you say that alt-media and the mainstream are intertwined based on the fact that so much of the subject matter overlaps? Oh, they are, uh, but it's by a natural default. You see, like the Internet, anyone can upload uh, content, and the problem is anyone can upload content. In other words, let me just give you a, a, a very rightful statistical analysis of the Internet. If it were, I'm all for control of the Internet, uh, very like draconian control of it, but it's not going to happen because it's tied in with commerce. Um, and even what I'm saying is irrelevant uh, to the world at large. So I would not be able to get on the Internet and, and have, a, you know, what we're doing right now or things in the past. And that's fine because it has no effect anyway. But um, having a draconian uh, restriction on the Internet, like some people are complaining about censorship with YouTube and things like that, I see it as a very good thing because eventually you're going to get enough computer geeks together to uh, hack their own minds into figuring out another alternative platform beyond the internet. So actually, uh, a prohibition of sorts would actually be welcomed. Like a just a shutting down of the internet will not happen. Like many, well, it was more a popular meme years ago because people aren't thinking you can't shut down the internet because banking, you know, so-called banking, you know, there is no money. It's a credit-based economy, is tied into it. So. Uh, you know, companies like Amazon and Microsoft and Google and all that would not allow it. So there is going to be no shutdown, but I'm all for a North Korea style shutdown of the Internet. Again, not just to eliminate the flow of information like the simple minded primitives would think, but what it'll do is it will inspire them through crisis to create another platform and restart. One thing that you said a bit before that I've been thinking about um there's this idea that people who are revolutionaries are just disgruntled underdogs who weren't able to benefit off the status quo and so they seek to overturn it but in actual fact when they get into power they end up doing many of the things that they were fighting against 
And to contrast that to alternative media, you have some of the biggest names in the field that seem to offer some of the most questionable content. And I wonder if that speaks to some kind of aberration within the landscape that nobody seems to remark on how poor character some of the top dogs within the genre are. Well, how could they remark on it? Because they're not aware of it. They just look at the content that they put up. But that's what they call the, you know, Internet stuff content. Right. Uh, but but again, to go back to the revolutionary, a revol uh, someone that is a revolutionary in an altruistic way, in a, let's say for a greater good will look at society, the public at large, and the 99% majority and see them as unusable. Unusable, unworthy of change, uh, they just have to go. They have to be uh, eliminated somehow, uh, put on another planet or whatever, and you can't work with them. They're, they're irreparable. You know, they're damaged beyond uh, whatever. And that is what your first hint is when you have a quote-unquote revolutionary saying we're going to make we're going to make these changes and everyone will be better. And that's not possible. If you look at the humans at large on this planet, you can't fix them. They got to go. Sorry, they're going to go naturally anyway. They only live to 80 or 90 or 75. But you can't work. So, so in other words, um, a, a true revolutionary, uh, someone who does uh, a messiah of sorts, will look at human society and says 99% of them got to go or 95% of them just can't be here anymore. Put them on a spaceship, send them somewhere else. So the 1% that's remaining, we can work with. Do you see? And that's not the, the formula <clears throat> in any uh, 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 national or social change ever. It's always like, put me in power and you'll be better. That's not going to happen. You just can't make them better. And I know this is really harsh for most people's ears, but uh, sorry, that's the truth. Yeah, it does sound a bit harsh, to say the least. The fact that they're hopeless, I'm not going to disagree that people are hopeless, but is there absolutely no hope? Well, well, well uh, from a secular point of view, uh, they're absolutely hopeless. It's uh, cut in four inches of steel or 20 feet of concrete. There's no, that's immovable. Of course they're hopeless. But from a cosmic point of view, they're not hopeless. They, they all have a chance to, uh, to be remade and redone. So that's, you know, we're looking at not a fork in the road, but one reality over the other. You know, from the basement worm's eye view, absolutely, they're as hopeless as a, a granite mountain uh, is, is solid. But from a cosmic point of view, uh, you know, from a, a, a divine point of view, um, no, there, there, there's, there's hope for them. Mm. Well, that will give us food for thought and uh, something to talk about later. But... um. You were mentioning before about content and how the internet sort of has this um, bland veneer to it as far as how it treats the information that it puts out. With the rise of the internet, I think a lot of people who have no polish to their presentation or, or the information that they're presenting were given the chance to be heard on a wide level. And I think that there's a core belief among the bloggers and the alt media that somehow even though what they're presenting is qualitatively poor, they're still the cutting edge of today's journalism because they're quote-unquote anti-media and they oppose the establishment. So on one hand, you can choose between a super-polished product of pristine newscasters and you know the veneer of trustworthiness with whatever mainstream outlet you want to prefer, or you can go with the guy in his basement with a mic who claims that the system is evil, which it is, but he's also questionable and he doesn't address that. So where does that really leave people as far as media? No, it leaves them where they are and the, where they're going to be. In other words, there is a um, uh, you, you can use that as the defining moment, a, a moment on how what you just said, basically, the guy who's saying the, the system is whatever, as defining moment of how stupid humans are. The uh, human that is uh, well aware and perceptive and is uh, in, in knowledge will see the current human society, whether it's regarding religious uh, uh, aspects, uh, academic aspects, media aspects, scientific aspects, historical, any, anything as being uh, unusable in, the, in the, uh, the, the state that it is right now. So it's basically, again, just to reiterate, um, uh, you can't make anything that exists right now in human society better. It has to be completely redone. So by looking at what is called media, that is simply a reflection of the society. There is no better media because you can't have a better media with a worse society, you know. So you're going to have all aspects of society reflecting its foulness and vileness uh, as, as such.
so it is not possible. So, so here, here's the, uh, the, the, the realistic aspect of the media. If you think you have the right stuff uh, to put out to the right humans, you do it anyway, but don't expect uh, anything out of it because the, the humans at large are pretty much crap. And this is also known from a cosmic point of view. You know, this is a fact from a cosmic fact, but the, them themselves don't know um, uh, that they are that the state that they're in they can't discern it you know there's an old saying you can't take a pig to a debutante ball true i mean one of the things that and i probably will touch on this for, for the last time but one of the things that continues to fascinate me with the media situation is that people are willing to endure things that they can i think most people can see that they're questionable so like in a world where the truth is something that people claim to prioritize, right? If somebody publicly claims that a certain event is going to transpire or that the future is going to go a certain way, and if that doesn't happen, usually people are in trouble. And I think that you've talked about that before because that's called being a charlatan or being a liar. And people like that are generally not treated very well publicly. Um, but in our contemporary times, it seems like there's no better time to be a charlatan or a liar because why else would the alt media characters have a job and make thousands of dollars a month by subscriptions? Why do you think that there is such an endurance for the falsehood that they push? Well, you, you know what? That's been written about uh, two millennia ago in, in a certain text, believe it or not. If your highest level of university is charlatans and liars, you know, it, here's the thing. Um, you can you can corner any university professor, not from a local junior college, but from a high world-renowned whatever. And, and the, the reason they're there is for their salary. They don't care about what they're teaching. And the ones that do are promptly removed, promptly meet within two weeks to six months. So again, the central, you're not going to defeat the central powers that have been granted cosmically the power that they have over the earth, which is they're basically... Uh, to promote uh, evil and chaos and violence and ignorance to a society that adheres to such things. And not just one society, all societies too. And the ones that uh, there are some microcosm type societies, uh, maybe on some island in the Pacific that do not adhere to such principles or some jungle somewhere that are isolated and they're kept isolated and they're at a minimum. And, and for good reason. You'd want to, you know, it's called uh, setting yourself apart from it. You know, unfortunately, we don't have enough knowledge to know the reason why humans are in such a state that they are. But we do know that we can gain the knowledge to know that they are in this, such a state. Hmm. Well, I think we'll wrap up with this last bit here. Um, as far as people being in a particular state that can be observed, when we want to talk about getting out of that state, you can't turn to the mainstream media because what they're pushing is outright lies and you can't really use the alt media too much because of the quality of people that are running it and what their own personal agendas are. So what has been your own personal experience as far as uncovering the information that you need? Well, you can use it. You can use the me both media. Again, like we said earlier on, whatever the mainstream says, it's pro probably the opposite but not directly, like I gave the analogy of the, the two, the cost of the two items together and how much one is more than the other, what is the other cost, right? Mm -hmm. So, uh, for example, uh, I've given other analogies in the past regarding the media. Whatever they're making a lot of noise about is to, is, is to cover up where the real stuff is going on. So, you see, so you can use them if you understand the code that it's uh, being presented in. And the alternative media is just more of the same. It's basically uh, an echo chamber. They're just an echo chamber of what needs to be viewed at diametrically opposite or resolved somehow. So, for example, you could take any story that's being repeated in the mainstream media. You'll see it'll be repeated in the alternative media. And that'll tell you several things. It's most likely the opposite of that. And it's most likely covering up for something that shouldn't be noticed. So you can use them. Sure by applying discernment but i guess i was more talking about you've mentioned being able to make use of other media resources like libraries for example or ancient texts for example or things like that like as far as your own personal initiative to educate yourself 
Sure, you can. Yeah, but and and just use the the principle of going back to the beginning of the thing. Cool. Well, on that note, I think that we've covered everything that I wanted to cover. Is there anything else that you have on your mind, Greek? Uh, not yet. I, I'd say uh, well, maybe we'll pick it up on the next stream. Okay. Well, um, on that note, I think that we'll end things off. And um, thank you to everybody for listening. It's been a good you know, hour and some minutes of talk, and we'll see you at the next stream.